0: Okay, I got it. Welcome back to another edition of It's Raining
1: Mets. Meteorologist Ed Russo here. Hey, it's meteorologist Tom Russell here, so it's nice to catch up and talk a little weather. Here we are in midsummer, Ed. How about that?
0: I know. I hate
1: to say midsummer because that means
0: it's halfway over.
1: Well, I'm glad to hear you say that because I was uh, I always I kind of hate July 4th for that reason, because everything leading up to July 4th, there's so much promise. Summer's coming The you know, the best is still to come. And then somehow, somehow by July the 5th, mentally, it's like, oh, man, summer's almost over. Uh, You know, the back to school stuff is going to be starting. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That thing starts uh, in uh,
0: late August. I mean, late, late July.
1: Oh, I, I definitely feel that way. But there's still plenty more summer to go, so let's let's wallow in it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Where do you want to start? You want to talk tropics? You want to talk uh, storms? Yeah. What do you want to talk? Well, I can say like the past few days,
0: um, the air has felt particularly thick. Mm-hmm. Just it's been unbelievably humid.
1: And we're so spoiled because, you know, 4th of July weekend, we dropped the humidity. Uh, We've had these cool nights. I think that's one of the big stories of this summer. If you looked at June, climatologically, June was exactly average, like Mm -hmm. 0.0 average, no deviations on the hot or the cold side, right where we should be for this time of year. But the biggest thing between this and the last couple of summers is we're cooling off at night. You don't mind the heat during the day when you get into the mid, even low 60s at night. People open up their windows and it feels pretty good. Um, and we just haven't had that the last couple of years. So I think that's the biggest change is the is the cooler weather at night. Yeah,
0: that's, that's definitely uh, at least gives you some relief.
1: And but- really no big heat. I was looking here, um, you know, we've had since June 1st, we've had four days in the 90s. And, you know, the last couple of years, it's just been heat waves, heat waves, heat waves, and we, we've had our hot days this year, but we haven't put together, you know, a week of 90s or any of that kind of thing, not even close. Yeah, and some, you know, we've been kind of
0: on the eastern edge of that huge ridge of heat, you know, because the Midwest and the yeah, central and northern baking. plains have been super, super hot, and that ridge hasn't really, like, centered over us and sustained itself over us, so we've been kind of, escaping the core of the heat 90s, hundreds, you know, I mean, still obviously hot at times when it's humid. But yeah, we haven't we haven't seen any sustained heat waves in quite a long time.
1: Okay, so let's look at the rest of summer. So we're almost halfway through meteorological summer. We got half of July and all of August. What are you thinking about? Do we get into some of that heat? Or are we going to be in the same pattern? I would
0: say, you know, towards maybe the end of July into August, I think would be our next best shot. But I don't see any major heat. Well, you,
1: you brought up a good point that that overall pattern, that big heat dome in the center of the nation yep. has allowed us to be in more of a trophy situation that trough over the over the Northeast has kept us at or below average. I think ships get into the heat, like you said, later this month, and uh, and into August, I don't think we're going to get away all summer like this. No, and you got to remember, sometimes our humidity is even worse in
0: August, because you get taller corn more evapotranspiration. So your dew points, your dew points are typically higher around here when you get mature corn stalks. So, you know, when you're talking about like the rolling hills of York and Lancaster County with all that corn. (laughs) Yeah, you can get some, it gets super, super, super sticky. All so,
1: that. All right, so we both agree that uh, the stickiness, the humidity, the hottest stuff is, is still to come, so don't put your guard down there. Uh, Ed and I have a running joke that uh, whenever I take off on vacation, Ed fills in for me, and invariably there is severe weather, and that has played out again this year, has it not? Yeah, I think maybe twice, yeah, <laughs> maybe. So, right
0: next week, um, I'm banking on it, <laughs>
1: we'll see, we'll, we'll see. Um, But the last weekend, uh, you had some pretty severe weather along the Maryland border. I saw Gettysburg. I never did see a tornado report, but I'm really surprised. I was too, because that farm really got damaged pretty bad. You know,
0: right? And I guess that was taken from a drone, not SkyView 21. Mm -hmm. Um, Although SkyView 21 would have loved to go down there, of course. We just just, just didn't have the the resources to do it that particular day, but right. yeah i i actually sent some of those photos to the national weather service and you know they thanked me but But they never did a follow-up they never did a follow-up i don't know if maybe they didn't get i actually i i did message the property owner and they mentioned that um i told them you know that the national weather service might want to you know investigate and they didn't say anything i mean they they gave us permission to use those pictures but I'm really surprised they didn't go down there because to me, the the debris was scattered in all different directions. That's what it looked
1: like to me too.
0: A confined area. And I know, you know, at the time severe weather was moving through, there was a little rotation on the storm. Nothing to me that would have screamed like necessarily to issue a tornado warning. It was like a real quick thing in between scans where it may have briefly dropped a spin up. Um, But yeah, I... I am legitimately surprised they didn't go down there myself. Or maybe they
1: still are, but I'm sure they're in the process of cleaning up. Uh, I should have brought the numbers in front of me here, but uh, we have had a couple of uh, tornadoes. The the one day that jumps out at me, and I'm looking back here at the picture on my phone, uh, May 28th, we had the potential three uh, tornadoes. They were in Franklin County, uh, the one that you and I were on the air with. Uh, that was in Perry, Perry County moving in or Cumberland County moving into Perry County, Stairt's Gap that area, and then in southeast Lancaster. So that was the biggest day, mm-hmm. Friday the May twenty eighth. Uh, I think it was a Friday. Um, so have we had more than one of confirmed tornado this season? I'm trying to I think. think. So I think that was the only.
0: There might have been one other day where we had a confirmed touchdown. Um, uh, yeah, I just can't remember whether it was straight line wind or. Uh, but it, oh, I, there I, was. I say, there was one that impacted a church in uh where was it? It was in Juniata County, might have been Mifflin town. That was yeah, straight line wind f- damage.
1: That was straight line winds on that one. Yeah, you're right. And that was but a tornado warning, the most recent one. The one that you were on the air for. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I bring this up to say that last year we had so much more severe weather uh incidents through the you know the spring and summer months. I remember we were still doing even in August, we were doing, uh, you know, breaking into programming and, and possible severe weather. So overall, this seems quieter. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, we're, we're actually, you know, once we get
0: deeper into July, we've kind of passed our peak with severe weather season. I mean, sure, we still get events in July and August, but, you know, when you're in full-blown summer, you just don't get that uh, temperature contrast as much anymore because right. you're in the heart of summer. Right and you need those
1: swings of the the cool air versus the warm air to to spin that up so yeah. um, you know you can get those fingers. you can get those MCSs those large wow.
0: complexes yeah. yeah I'm glad yeah, you brought
1: yeah. that up because we we've had I guess two now uh, yeah. and we're talking about ones like uh, you know we just saw last night coming out of uh South Dakota and uh-huh. Iowa I mean uh, the the definition of what we call a derecho is these complex of storms that hold together over uh an unusually large long distance you know five six hundred miles
0: you know i saw on the latest some of the latest models was actually trying to uh show something some mcs coming through friday night
1: and early saturday now i don't know if you noticed that did you see no i'll have to double check that i mean our front's coming through so it it could certainly ride along that front yeah Um, but uh i just think it's a, a unique pattern i think it has to do with the the overall pattern in the U S like you said, we're, we're kind of on that Northeast fringe of the Ridge. And, you know, usually it's a boundary like that, that these derechos just kind of feed off of, but man, they're impressive to watch when you see these things hold together, over such a long distance, you know, maybe you started 2 p.m. and they're still going at 2 a.m. It's amazing. Yeah. And once you, and you know,
0: when you get surface temperatures over part of the country that get above 95 degrees, they just have so much heat to work with. And temperatures mm-hmm. don't really even drop at night. So you still have a lot of energy at
1: night for these things to survive. Yeah. They really feed off of that. Yeah. So let's hope uh, going forward, we still uh, keep our low. Threshold for, uh, for severe weather going yeah, this summer. Absolutely. I like that. Uh, let's vent about the tropical stuff. Cause you and I do that, uh, you know, on the phone and as we pass each other in the hallways, but let's bring out this discussion. We've already had three named storms. However, the latest one I go, uh, home on a Thursday, there's nothing that the models are even thinking about by Saturday. I see my friend Ed Russo say there's tropical storm Colin where Ed tell everybody where, developed over land how is that possible how could it be a tropical storm
0: yeah i just i don't know i i basically at that point i just i was literally i was totally uncertain as to why it was named i mean i flat out said that
1: they didn't have a 20 mile an hour gust even reach land from what i understand
0: yeah it was all it was all offshore and again public perception is so important and and i know naming of storms you know i'm sure there's a back and forth between meteorologists you know should we name this should we not name this you have a crowd that says yes you have a crowd that says no right so it's not like there's one it's not like it's a completely objective process
1: but it has to be
0: doesn't it for it serious- does it does have to be and i think that one was probably had a uh, an erroneous amount of subjectivity to it because I, I can't I mean th- there was not even a, an area of interest really advertised for that area right right they weren't you know, it just it yeah it just kind of developed and I think there was one example before of the hurricane center actually naming a storm over land I want to say it was Otis I'd have to I, look that up I gosh. might be wrong but that did happen once before I forget the circumstances, but this one just—it just, it
1: just yeah, it made no I, sense. Look, the the purpose of the weather service to protect life from property—that's their mission statement. Neither were qualified here, and I, like I said, how did it even reach the threshold of what we call a tropical storm? You have to have 39 mile per hour winds. You have to have a, a close center of circulation. It didn't mean, I mean anything. Even of that, even that was hard to find. Right. I, I think that we're doing our, uh, ourselves a disservice when we start naming stuff. Start. We've been naming stuff that doesn't qualify, uh, and then we just mislead people saying, "Oh, there's so many named storms." Yeah, but there's no ACE, what we call accumulated cyclonic uh, cyclone energy. I mean, I just I think we're hurting ourselves in the long run. You know,
0: I saw I saw a um, I saw I forget I forget who tweeted this. It doesn't really matter, but it was some somebody mentioning you know this storm did get some attention because it d- did technically form over land and someone said you know i guess this is a sign of things to come now that these tropical systems are able to form over land <laughs> so it's like but that's misleading right it, that's incredibly misleading that's incredibly misleading and that's not necessarily what that means and first off did we even actually have a legit closed
1: circulation at the surface Well, I had trouble seeing that. Will they go back and re-examine that? Because a lot of times on a a severe or, you know, a very impactful storm, they'll go back and they'll readjust, you know, what were the peak winds and and even, you know, they'll they'll do an audit basically of of what the, how the storm played out. They should do that here. And maybe that could take that one off the table. Yeah. I mean, that's potentially, right?
0: Yep. I I mean, I I think that they're... um, there was also uh, some that were saying it did technically form offshore, but
1: yeah, well, it was so technical. All right, as long as we're being yeah. technical, let's let's back up to Bonnie. So Bonnie eventually got a name, but here was the frustrating part of that. This is one they were watching. This is one they were tracking. This is one they were actually drawing out a forecast for. Yet they wouldn't give it a name. They kept calling it potential uh, uh, PTC to- tropical cyclone, and they call it PTC two. And that, to me, is frustrating. You, you have the forecast availability. You have the knowledge to go, yeah, this thing's going to become a storm. Maybe not tomorrow, but it's going to be. Go ahead and give it the name because mm-hmm. then you're just confusing people. What's a PTC? What's a number two? Uh, I just don't like the way the hurricane season is, is you know, on some ends, they're quick to, to name something. On the other thing that, that's impactful, they don't name. So I'm frustrated.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely it definitely sends a mixed message to the general public. And, you know, I think a big part of I mean, let's be honest here. There are still people out there that don't know the difference between a watch and a warning, yep. or they actually uh, think that a warning is worse than a watch. So, you know, I, I can sit here and say, wait, you know, the public wait, wait, is- wait.
1: A warning is worse than a watch. What did I say? <laughs> I, I think you said it backwards, but go ahead. Oh, uh,
0: yeah. So a lot of people still think a watch is worse than a warning. Right. Okay. There you there go. There I go. Okay. See, so, <laughs> so even I'm
1: doing it. Um,
0: but the thing is, is that really the public's
1: fault or is it ours? Right. Is it a messaging problem? Like, we're not, like we're not I, can't, I, I yeah. can't
0: sit here and definitively tell you, you know, the public thinks this way because we're doing our job correctly. I right. seriously think it has to fall on us. There is a failure of communication between us and the general public to get out the definitions of these things. And right. when you talk about how these systems are named and you're talking about, you know, people aren't necessarily going to take the same level of precaution when they hear PTC two, right? as opposed to a named tropical Name. system. So it's messaging. It is incredibly important. And sometimes you've got to sacrifice the technicality of a, of a situation and make it simplified because but your job is to protect the public.
1: That's what I was going to say. Back to the mission statement, protect life, protect property, if that's the goal we got to do better messaging, right you can argue Um, all
0: day behind the scenes what it technically was but think about how to how this
1: um are you eating a snack during our podcast i am (laughs) an ice cube i've called you out um before we wrap uh our friend phil klotzball at uh, colorado state university they're the ones that put out Um, the long-term hurricane forecast for the season. Anyway, when you get into uh, July, they reissue their updated forecast. Uh, So here's what they got. 20 named storms, and in that 20 counts the three we already have, okay? And then of those, 10 become hurricanes, and of the 10, five become major hurricanes, which are category three or higher. So still a very active forecast, still above average, um, but – We'll see how things play out from here. Yeah, and, and I got to
0: tell you, it doesn't look like July is going to be too active. So if we're all backloading this, it could be very
1: active late
0: summer into fall.
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of what I'm feeling now. Uh, once the, that overall pattern has to shift, but we talked about that big ridge sitting in the middle of the yeah. country. And, uh, we, you know, I think we're going to see things heat up a little bit more in the Atlantic. So, Well, always great to catch up with you, my friend. And uh, thanks for filling in for me. I, I hope that uh, you don't get any severe weather while i'm gone
0: <laughs> well you know it always makes it interesting so i can't shoot that down either
1: yeah i guess i yeah. guess so all right we'll uh, continue uh, there's always uh, more podcasts uh, to come but if you ever want to go back and listen to to steve and ed and uh, me and ed and whatever uh you can find those on cbs21.com always right, a pleasure go. my friend yeah good talking to you tom
0: you're listening to it's raining Mets.